You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I was inspired by reading through the book of Leviticus as well as uh, these other books. And really one of the things that kind of challenged my heart was uh, the things that we can sometimes miss. There's a lot of preaching and teaching through Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, all these books that, uh, that get you know, can get challenging sometimes to read. But man, you can actually dig into it and study and find out, man, you can find Jesus on every page of this Bible. And man, you talk about one message. If, we could, if I could go back and watch the video when I get to heaven, I want to go back and watch the video of when Jesus was walking with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. And, and you say, well, preacher, we'll get there and we'll understand it and know it all. Maybe, I'm sure we will, but I would just love to hear Jesus' message to those disciples where he started with Moses and the prophets and began to show him all the things concerning himself. What a message that must have been. And uh, there's many pictures of Christ and of salvation and things that pertain to us today in the book of Leviticus as well as these other books. But today, I want to deal with the thought about dealing with a disease called sin. Dealing with a disease called sin. A disease is a condition which threatens a human state of health causing problems such as pain, distress, dysfunction, social problems, and ultimately death. Uh, the CDC reports, don't tune me out, that uh, 6 in 10 adults have a chronic illness. 6 in 10 adults have a chronic illness. S uh, sickness is something we can all identify with. Whether you have a chronic or a terminal illness uh, or whether you've just had a cold or a flu or COVID or whatever else it may be. Sickness is something that we can identify with. Now, sin uh, is a disease of the soul. Like leprosy or cancer, sin slowly eats away until it kills. Like these diseases, some people succumb in a few short years. Other individuals may take decades before sin or the disease finally destroys them. But one thing I'll say about the sickness of sin, the disease of sin, is that we've all been infected. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one among us this morning that has not been infected with sin. Again, like cancer, sin doesn't care how good you are. It doesn't care what you've done or who you are. It doesn't care how religious you've been. Sin without a cure will destroy your soul. It will destroy your life. All we need to do is look around us uh, to see the effects of sin. Did you know one of the main effects of sin is dying, aging and dying? We're all doing that this morning. You realize that? Uh, we get older. We get sick. We die. I mean, our bodies begin to fail. 
Uh, I went to the, to the eye doctor recently, and he, and he was just talking about, you know, some of these things that happen with your eyes, no matter who you are, it just happens. We are, uh, we, we are experiencing the effects of sin in this world. You think about also uh, not only our own bodies, but also the effect that sin has on society. Wars, uh, mayhem, killing, theft, adultery, murders, lying, pride. Man, I'm telling you, when you look around at the problems of this world, the problem of this world can be capitalized with three letters, S-I-N, sin. More education. I believe in education, but education doesn't fix the problem of sin. Reform doesn't fix the problem of sin. Laws do not fix the problem of sin. I'm amazed every time that there's a, uh, a shooting or something. You know, the left always wants to enact more gun laws. Do you know that, I mean, I, I don't know what the average is, but I know uh, that on a pretty regular basis, most criminals that commit an act, a violent act with a gun, and by the way, criminals kill people, guns don't. We don't say cars kill people, we say drunk drivers kill people, right? I mean, we don't say, I mean, you, you think about these things, but, uh, but these criminals do. And they, they'll break somewhere in the, in, in the range of 20-something laws in committing the crime that they're committing. Starting perhaps with purchasing the gun illegally to start with. More laws don't fix the problem of sin because sin is a problem of the heart. Uh, if, you, if you add more gun laws, guess what the criminals do? They'll break 30-something laws instead. Uh, but it just goes to show you that the, the problem of sin is a problem that's a problem of the heart. And that's where we start this morning. Leviticus 13, I don't think I told you the chapter I was in. Leviticus 13, I'm going to hit this first part pretty quick just because I got some ground I want to cover. But in Leviticus 13, there's a couple things that we learn about this disease that provides a vivid picture of sin. And it's the disease of leprosy in the Bible, a, a disease that we're not very familiar with in this day and age. But the Bible deals with it extensively. But it pictures and parallels sin. A couple things we learn about leprosy that parallels sin. Number one, in chapter 13, verse 3, the Bible says that it is deeper than the skin. Deeper than the skin. See, you may look good on the surface, and you may be covering sin, but I'm telling you, the problem with sin is it doesn't always show out here. There's a lot of people, we look at some people and say, wow, they're living a sinful life because it's all on them. But sin is, a, is not just, sin goes far beyond the surface. It's deeper than the skin. And oftentimes people, people want to keep their sins covered and hidden. Most people aren't very proud of their sins. Now, we live in a day and age, by the way, to where more and more, in, in, in an increasing way, people don't call sin, sin, and people are starting to celebrate sin. But I'm telling you, no matter what people say about sin, sin, if God calls it sin, it is still sin. But the thing about sin is what we see there in verse 3 about the leprosy, it's deeper than the skin. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know what's interesting about that? That word wicked right there literally carries the idea of being sick. People are sick in their hearts. It's why? Because of sin. Sin is not a surface problem that can be solved with simple uh, remedies. Sin comes from within, from fallen human nature. And unless the heart of man is changed, there is no solving the sin problem. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 19, For out of the heart, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man. So the first thing we see is that sin is deeper than the skin. Number two, the second thing we see in verse number eight that parallels leprosy is that the problem with sin is sin spreads. Have you ever had a rash? <laughs> you say, preach, that's a personal uh, question there. When I was a kid, man, I, I lived out in the woods when I was a kid. But the bad thing about living out in the woods when I was a kid, I'd crawl all over the woods, play army, man. I was, I was Chuck Norris in Missing in Action, man. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I did. That's how I spent my uh, childhood, out in the woods. But the problem with that is, is I'm highly allergic to poison oak, poison ivy, poison sumac, don't matter what it is. If it's out there, I'm going to get it. And the way that often starts is it would start just really small somewhere. But I'm one of them people, and I've gotten better in my older years, but man, if it itches, I'm going to scratch it. But the problem about itching that poison ivy is you itch it, and it spreads. You itch it, and then you touch here, and it spreads there. And see, and I don't know who came up with this. I think it was who, whoever came up with calamine lotion and made it pink was just a cruel person. Because I didn't like my poison oak and ivy being uh, shown. Uh, but, man, my mom would say, here's what you need. Put that calamine lotion on there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You young people know what calamine lotion is? All right. Uh, I mean, listen, but I didn't get poison oak here, here, and here. I'm talking about sin spreading. Son, I got poison ivy between my toes all the way up. I even had it in my face one time where my, where my eyes uh, were swollen shut. Man, I'd get it something awful. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 but I'd try to put calamine lotion all over me to where there wasn't no hiding it. All right? But here's the thing about it. That was kind of embarrassing. But what happened was it started small. But I, I think that's a lot like sin. You know, because from what I've been told, I, I never tried it, but if I would have gotten poison ivy and not scratched it, Put a little bit of calamine on it, wherever I got it at, and then that maybe then it would have just itched for a while, eventually gone away, and I'd have been fine. But I didn't do that. I'd scratch. See, but that's how sin is. Sin, it just starts real small. But the thing about sin is, man, there's something within us that wants to scratch it. We want to indulge. We want to. We 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 want that. And isn't scratching an itch like that like the worst thing? When you're, anybody starting to itch with any skin conditions in here this morning? I'm sorry. Uh, but you, you start scratching, and it, at first it feels good, but pretty soon it hurts. But it still kind of feels good. 
but it hurts. But then it starts to spread and get everywhere. And all, before long, it gets all over the place. And folks, sin, just like leprosy, sin spreads. What begins as one sore spreads and turns the whole body into a mass corruption of ugliness uh, and, uh, and, and, and just decay. Now I'm talking about leprosy. Because leprosy was literally a skin-eating disease. This wasn't just a rash. This disease, uh, and, and I, I forgot to put the, the, the medical term for what it's called today, but, but, but this particular leprosy would literally eat the skin away. It would be red, it would turn white, and eventually people with leprosy, their extremities would start falling off. Their fingers, their toes, their nose, and, and eventually they'd start get, they could get infection. But the whole time, their sores... These leprous sores, this will, if anybody's hungry, I'll try to help get you held over for a little bit longer here, okay? These leprous sores would be pussing and nasty and terrible. That's what leprosy would be. It would spread. It would start small, but it would spread. See, at first, sin doesn't seem so bad, but it spreads. So sp uh, sin is deeper than the skin, but it spreads, uh, what's more, sin defiles. Verse 46 of chapter 13 of Leviticus says that the leper shall be defiled. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses as filthy rags. Uh, do Band-Aids gross anybody out? No, I mean, I'm not talking about the ones in the box. I'm talking about, you know, you're about to, uh, you, you just see some blood. I mean, I, I don't know which kid does it. I got a good suspicion. But they'll, get a, they'll put a Band-Aid. They'll get hurt sometimes spring or summer. And they'll put a Band-Aid on so it'll get all bloody and pussy and everything. Next thing you know, you sit down on the couch and you look over on the, the coffee table or something and there's old bloody Band-Aid just sitting there. You know how hard it would be to actually throw something like that away. I mean, it's kind of gross. But these lepers would wrap up their sores and stuff in bandages. And those bandages would just get full of blood and of pus and just were gross. And they would take them off and try to change the dressing and get them. But that, some of y'all's faces, I love it. But uh, listen, I mean, it, they were nasty. But when the Bible says that all of your righteousnesses is as filthy rags, those filthy rags are a direct uh, link that's talking about those leprous cloths. Think about that now. We think about our, how bad our worst is, but God says even our best is that way. What that simply means is this, in our own self-righteousness. Because the bad, thing about, uh, the bad thing about us is that if we are doing good things, living good lives, man, we're mighty proud of it. <laughs> if we do something good, we sure do want to brag about it. Uh, and, uh, but man, so therefore, this pride comes in. And now I'm living this good life, I'm better than other people, so God's talking about that hypocrisy. Our, we, we don't have righteousness in and of ourselves. It's all as filthy rags, but sin defiles. Uh, sin ultimately, sin isolates. 
The second part of verse 46 says, He shall dwell alone without the camp. He shall dwell alone without the camp. Man, sin, I, I think so. I, you know what I think about? I think about those, and I'm, I know there's people listening right now. There's people in the church right now that know what it is to live a life that involves alcohol. And I think about all the images, and man, I'm telling you, you talk about being inundated in this day and age. You talk about desensi uh, desensitizing. Man, I, I can't remember what the numbers are, but the numbers of uh, shows and of movies that have people drinking in these scenes is just off the charts. It's ridiculous. But generally, when they show what drinking is like, it's always a blast. It's always fun, and it's usually social. And it's usually social with a bunch of hot people. Right? And man, we're partying and having a good time. And, and, uh, and I don't know, man. I'll tell you one thing. Them men and women haven't been drinking too much beer that have got those washboard abs and all that out on the beach that they show in the commercials. But anyway, all I'm saying is this. That's, and, and listen, and, and, and a lot of times this stuff does start in a party. It does start with friends. It does start social. And it does start as a good time. Because there's pleasure in sin for a season. But those, there's not too many commercials, though, that show that man or that woman that's sitting at home drinking all alone just to get by. Because that's where this stuff all, all often leads. I mean, see, it defiles, but it also isolates I mean, when it comes to adultery, fornication, including, I mean, I guess fornication is generally premarital sex, but the world tries to pump it up as this wonderful, great thing. But I'm telling you, when you've, when, when you've, uh, when you've lost your purity or when you've been uh, used and abused and thrown to the side, I'm telling you, there's a real loneliness there. For people that are trying to find love or fulfillment in fornication, I'm telling you, uh, it may seem that way for a short period, but ultimately you're going to be feeling pretty bad about it. In other words, sin isolates. You can, you can be in a crowd and still be isolated and feel all alone. The Bible says he shall dwell without the camp. And you know something else this man would have to do? The, the leper would literally, by law, he would have to, uh, he would have to carry, number one, he would dress in a certain way. But number two, he would have a cloth. And if he, was walking down the, if he was walking down the street and you begin to walk down the same street as him, he would be required to throw this over his mouth or throw it over his mouth like this and say, unclean, unclean. In other words, I'm unclean. Don't, don't get too close. Maintain six feet. Now, it's interesting, Leviticus actually is where God instituted some of these health things that we, are, we see followed today, including quarantine and some of this stuff, but it's kind of backwards a little bit. Because God said for the leper to cover his mouth and to cry unclean, I'm sick, don't get too close to me. If our government was in charge of this, they would be saying, everybody just go ahead and cry unclean. Whether you have it or not, Right? But that's what the leper was required to do. That's not a very good life. He would have to leave his home, leave his family. Folks, sin robs you of joy, peace, family, love, close connections. We've seen it time and time again. 
Man, I, I, it, it, it amazes me that people think that preachers that preach against sin are mean and insensitive. Folks, I want to tell you the mean and insensitive preachers, the preachers that don't preach against sin. Because when you see what sin does to people, man, I wish I could remember the exact quote that Billy Sunday had, Billy Sunday, famous evangelist from, from Ames, Iowa. But I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said, I'm going to fight uh, sin as long as I have fist. I'm going to kick it as long as I have uh, feet. He said, I'll try to attack it. He said, I, he said, I'll bite it as long as I have teeth. And he said, when I get old and lose my teeth, he said, I'll gum it to death. He said, I'm going to fight sin as long as I live because you, sin's destructive. Sin is not your friend. Sin, listen, it spreads, it defiles, it isolates. And ultimately, in verse number 52, this is talking about the garment of the leper, but still you can see the picture here. It is only fit for the fire. Sin is only fit for the fire. The Bible says that garment shall be burnt in the fire. When Jesus spoke about hell, he used the word Gehenna which referred to the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem where the fire was not quenched. They literally had a fire going all the time outside of the walls of Jerusalem and that's where they would throw just garbage. But they would also sometimes, if there was unidentified corpses, someone who died in the streets, had nobody to claim them, they would even drag those bodies out there to, the, to Gehenna, to that dump around the city that was always burning. And Jesus used that to try to give a picture of what the lake of fire was like. Sin is only fit for the fire. Those who die in their sin will have to face the lake of fire for all eternity. Now this would be a pretty sad message if it ended right there. But the good news is, is it don't end there. Go to chapter 14 now. Go to chapter 14 and notice here what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter number 14. The Bible says there in verse number 2, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. Notice verse number 3, And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look and behold if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then it goes into these. But he's... The, the priest, he goes to the place where he can meet the priest, and the priest comes out to meet him. So we see here salvation. By the way, when it comes to disease, chapter 13 and sin emphasizes the uncleanness and the isolation. But chapter 14 brings us to that happy ray of hope. A leper can be cleansed and restored. We need the bad news of judgment before we can appreciate the good news of salvation. Now, a disease is not something you need to be, that you need to defend, but be delivered from. A disease is not something you need to cover, but to confess when it comes to sin. Folks, you can be healed. Quit trying treatments that don't work. That's what the world offers. That's what religion offers. Treatments that don't work. Psychology medicine. 
I mean, right on down the line. People, education, I've already said that. People are doing all these things, trying to fix the problem of sin. But I'm telling you, folks, those things do not work. See, the fact of the matter is, there was no cure for leprosy. So if a victim was to become well, it was a gift and a miracle from God Almighty. And I'm telling you, if our sin is going, if we're going to be healed from the disease of sin, it's going to be a miracle. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take the grace of Almighty God. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9 that salvation is of the Lord. If you're not saved by God's grace, you're not saved at all. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to deserve salvation. It is all of the Lord. But it's interesting, the steps in the leper's cleansing in Leviticus help picture what Jesus has done for sinners. We read verses 2 and 3, the leper couldn't enter the camp. In other words, I told you already, he was isolated. He was not allowed to live with his family anymore. He was not allowed to come into town anymore. He had to live outside of town. But if he wanted to be cleansed, he would have to come to a place where the priest would meet him. And folks, I want to say that that priest pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, the priest had to go to the leper because the leper couldn't technically come all the way to him. So what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, I got good news this morning. There's a Savior in heaven uh, that looks out at a world that's dominated by sin. Everybody has sinned. We all have the disease. You may look good this morning, but if you're not saved, I'll tell you something, you have that sin in your heart. And the Bible says we've all sinned, and we still sin after we get saved. Don't misunderstand me. But we get cleansed from our sins when we trust Christ as Savior. Jesus came to save you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not stretching it this morning to say that Jesus will come to Elk Point Baptist Church right now to save you. Now, maybe not in, in a physical manifestation, but he'll come. He's here. He came to where I was at. He came to my, my buddy's house. See, God Almighty, he came along, he came from heaven down into a virgin's womb to be born as a little baby. To become, he came a long way. He walked this earth. He traveled a lot of miles. He went, a, he, he went a long way to get to that cross. And I'm telling you, he died there on that cross. He, he, he rose again the third day. He ascended up to heaven to come back again. But in the meantime, he's working through the Holy Spirit of God, his presence. And he comes... Think about that. What the point that I'm trying to make is the priest had to come to the leper. Jesus has come this far to save you. Just picture that. Literally, it's not an exaggeration. I don't believe it's an exaggeration to say that Jesus has come this far to save you. He's right here. The Bible says the Lord is at hand. If you're willing to call on Him, I believe that's how simple it is. If you're willing to trust Him as your Savior... I often think about my mama. She, she trusted Christ, and when I got saved, my mom was not saved. But 
My mom actually had cancer. She didn't even realize it at the time, but she was really sick. And uh, my mom, well, I, let, me, let me back up and tell you. My, my aunt, many of you have heard the story before, but she, she actually called me from work and said, hey, hey, they're calling the family in. You know, they thought mom was about to die, and I think it's right when we found out she had cancer. And then my aunt met me out in the hallway, and she said, Jesse, she's ready. She's ready to accept the Lord. And I, and I was so excited. And so I went and I said, Mom, I said, you know, what's going on? And she's like, she's like, Jesse, she said, I need, to get, I need to get saved. And I was like, well, Mom, I said, that's wonderful. And I just began to walk with her through how to be saved. I said, well, first thing, I said, Mom, you got to admit and understand that we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my mom's just sitting there shaking her head. She's like, yeah, okay. And uh, then I said, I said, but... I uh, said, but Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Okay. And the weird thing was, is my mom was getting excited about this whole thing about of admitting that you're a sinner and repenting of sin. I was hoping to see a little bit of sorrow there. Like, yeah, I am a sinner. I do need to be saved. But my mom, you'd have to just, you'd have to know her. She, she looked like Hannah, but she just, uh, she almost identical to Hannah. But she was just so, uh, she was uh, very outgoing and, you know, maybe more like Natalie in that way. But she's sitting there and she's just shaking her head. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, my heart's dropping. Because I'm like, well, this ain't like what a person looks like that's convicted of their sin, feeling sorry for their sin. Then I finally got down about this time. I'm getting to, I'm just like, and I mean, I'm almost like this. And you get down, Romans 10, 13 says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Because I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. She's like, Jesse, I did that. And here's where I'm getting at. Jesse, I did that. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, I didn't think of it in those terms. But she said, it was about a month ago. She said, I started thinking about, she said, all I could think about was sin. She said, I turned the TV on and all I saw was sin. Everywhere I looked around me, I just kept thinking about sin. And she said, I started feeling sorry for my sin. And she, and she said this. She said, and so Jesse, she said, one day I just said, Jesus, will you please take my hand? <laughs> Now, that's not the prayer we often lead people in, is it? Jesus, please take my hand. But it could be. Why could she say that? Because Jesus was right here. And all she had to do was reach out and take it. The priest came to her. The priest would come all the way to the leper. And I'm telling you, Jesus will come right to where you are. How many of you are glad Jesus came to where you were? In your pride, in, 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 your, where, in your sin, wherever you may have been, Jesus comes right to you. That's how simple He makes salvation. The priest would come to the leper. Jesus comes to us. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, When Jesus heard it, He saith unto him, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sin sinners to repentance. When Jesus ministered on this earth, he was called a friend of publicans and sinners. As God's great physician, he makes house calls. I love it. And when I'm back in my hometown, uh, I, I, I often like to take the kids by where I was at when Jesus came and met me. See, the thing is, oh my goodness gracious. See, some of you were raised in religion and all that. And what religion, in essence, feels like it's trying to do is say, here's how you get to God. Here's the steps you have to take. Here's the rungs you have to climb. And if you do it all just right, your chances are very good. That's about as good as religion can do. 
But man, I'm glad that ain't what salvation is. Because I'm telling you, we can't get to God. We can't span the gulf that separates us. So like the old songwriter said, hallelujah, he came to me. See, he came further than I could go. And folks, he reached further down than I could reach up. And I'm glad that there's not a, there's not a hole of sin. There's not a pit too deep, too dark, too mucky, too stuck that God can't reach down and save a sinner. Amen. 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 I'm glad there's no one out there today that I can say, well, they're hopeless because they're not. <laughs> Woo, Jesus saves. Amen. Aren't you glad he saved you? He's still saving souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, and that's why he says this in Isaiah chapter number uh, one. He says, why should you be stricken anymore? In other words, why are you still sick? You don't have to be sick anymore. You can be healed. You can be saved. Now notice this. There's a picture of the cross here. It sounds a little unusual, but notice what the Bible says here in verse number 4. Then the priest shall command to take him, that is to be cleansed. Two birds, alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. <laughs> you say, what is going on here? And verse 7, And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. <laughs> That's one of those you read and be, you, you don't just read that and say, woo, man, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> uh, but God's trying to show us something. Think about this. You take a bird out of the air and you put it in an earthen jar. Birds don't belong in clay jars. They belong in the heavens. They belong in the sky. But he said, you take one of those birds from the heavens and you put it in a clay jar. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ becoming a man, coming down from heaven and coming into an earthen, a clay body. So, and then that bird is killed. Its blood is shed, but that's not the end of the story. Because you take the live bird and with, with the blood, and that, that, that bird is then released back up into heaven again. Amen. And what the picture is is just simply this. The Bible all the way back in here in Leviticus is trying to show us something about the incarnation. What it was going to take, the, 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 the means by which Jesus could come to us was based on the fact that he came down into this earth in the incarnation into a jar of clay. He shed his blood and he died. But folks, he rose again when he took the blood with him, amen, according to the book of Hebrews. I mean, listen, so that you and I may be saved. And it reminds us that the price of our salvation is the blood. It is the blood. There's many more lessons about this, this uh, ceremony right here and the cleansing of the leper. But suffice to say one thing for sure, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus shed his blood. And then the Bible goes on to say there, actually in verse number 7, that the priest shall pronounce him clean. Now, I don't know how many of you felt something when you got saved. 
But you know, you don't have to feel something to be saved. You know, the basis of my salvation is the Word of God. I don't know about, have you ever heard somebody tell their, I mean, I, and I think it's great when people get saved. And, and you know, I, I knew a lady one time that got saved that she was under such conviction that she bought a new mattress because she couldn't sleep at night. She was taking medicine trying to sleep, but what was bothering her constantly was her sin. And then people like that come forward, and then finally they break, and, and then they come and ask Jesus to save them. And son, they just about canoe down to the altar because there are so many tears. And they get down here and there, you know, just a weeping and a slobbering and a snotting everywhere. And that's wonderful. It really is, unless you're the person that's cleaned up. But it's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. All I'm just saying is, if you're the person that was just simply sitting there in church and said, okay, so Jesus, you died for me? You, you came this far for me? You rose again for me? Lord, I am sorry for my sins. Jesus, will you take my hand? Will you save me? Now, are you any less saved than that lady I was talking about? You're not. Are you any less saved? How about that person that gets up from the altar jumping and shouting? He said, man, I wasn't even all that excited. I just, I mean, I was relieved, but... And somebody says, oh, man, I was a tingling and a goose bumping all over the place. Well, that's great. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, it's interesting. The Bible says the priest is going to pronounce him clean. So in other words, the basis of my salvation is not about how I feel. It's about what God said. Amen? It's not about how I feel. I don't feel saved. Sometimes I feel saved. Sometimes I don't feel saved. I don't even think much about it. I just know that I am saved because he said I was saved. And I've put my faith and trust in him like he told me to. I believe from my heart like he told me to. I'm saved, amen? And so we're pronounced, uh, the, the priest would pronounce them clean. I mean, there's so much more to it. The Bible says this, Jesus, that he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's kind of cool, verses 8 and 9, and I'm not going to get into all this. I, I encourage you to study it, but... The person then has to cleanse themselves. This talks about the change of salvation. The leper now had to apply personally what God said was true positionally. In other words, there was a change of, of sanctification that began to take place in his life. Verse 9, the, the Bible says he cleanses himself again. But it all starts with a Savior that's not scared of your sin. I've got one more passage and then just an illustration I want to try to close with this morning. The passage is about a Savior that's not scared of your sin. If you saw a person coming with leprosy, man, you got out of the way. You were supposed to maintain a distance from these people. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, the Bible says, And there came a leper to him, to Jesus, beseeching him, begging him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That's faith. Do you believe that Jesus can save you today? Let me tell you this. If you're a child of God and you've gotten yourself dirty, do you believe Jesus can make you clean? He can. Thou canst make me clean. And I love this. Jesus moved with compassion. Man, I try my best to be a compassionate and sensitive person and care about what people are going through and feeling. But let me tell you something about it. When it really gets down to it, I don't really know what you're feeling. I haven't experienced what you're feeling, uh, but I still try to be sympathetic. But Jesus can literally feel what you're feeling. He understands the struggles that you're going through. He was moved with compassion. In other words, he suffered with him. But I love this part. 
he put forth his hand and touched him. You don't touch a leper. See, but the thing about Jesus is Jesus is different because when we touch sin, it gets on us. But when Jesus touches sin, it gets righteousness on the person that he touched. Amen. The sin is obliterated and righteousness is imputed. He put forth his hand and touched him and he said, I will be thou clean. And I want to tell you something. So he said, Lord, if you will, heal me. And I'm telling you today, if you say to the Lord, Jesus, if you will, heal me. And I promise you, I promise you, man, I'm so, I'm so glad the Bible is not hyper-Calvinistic. As much as that's becoming more and more popular in our day, and I think one reason it's coming so popular is you can just let whoever join your church and get baptized without even professing salvation and just assume they're one of the chosen. We're all one of the chosen. We've all been, uh, it's God's will that all be saved. And I'm glad that I can look at everybody out there today and says, when they say, Lord, will you save me? That Jesus says, I will. That's what he said to him. I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken this, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And I love this. And he went out and he began to publish it, which means to herald or to preach, proclaim. He began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. He began to tell everybody, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And people are like, man, aren't you the guy that was a leper? Yes, I was, but let me tell you what Jesus did. Amen? And he began to blaze that abroad. I want to close with an illustration of one of the more famous lepers in the Bible, a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a general. Naaman was a man that would have uh, been uh, covered in armor. And so he was a man that if we think about leprosy being like sin, his sin was hidden under a beautiful, shiny Armor, suit of armors. I mean, just an amazing uh, outfit this man wore. But the problem was, underneath, listen to me now, underneath he was hiding something. Underneath he was a leper. Everybody on the outside looked at him and thought, man, what a great guy. But he knew there was something he was hiding. He knew there was something that he was hiding. Something he could do nothing about. And I ask you this morning, What's your covering? Are you using something to hide your sin? Some people hide behind a smile. Some people hide behind anger. But people often try to find, people like to hide behind their religion. I can't tell you the times I've talked to somebody, oh, preacher, I've been baptized. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's just hiding it, man. That's just covering it up. That's not taking care of the sin. Naaman had his sin covered. God gave him, through Elisha, a strange, hard thing to do. He said, go take your armor off and dip in the, the Jordan seven times. Now, he didn't understand the instructions. It seemed like foolishness to him. And see, for a lot of people, it's hard for them to buy and to believe. The preacher, you mean to tell me that the cure for my deepest problems is repenting and turning to Christ? That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. You mean what I really need is just to simply, by faith, put, put my trust in Him, call on Him? That's exactly what I'm saying. But for Naaman, he thought that sounded dumb. See, but what he didn't know, that that was a place of miracles. Amen? And what people, some, sometimes people come into the church and they don't think this is a place of miracles. They think, well, man, you know, where's the statues? Where's the liturgy? 
you know, where's the big, you know, uh, crazy columns and ceilings and all that stuff? And they don't realize, man. And, 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 when, and when I try to give an all and try to encourage people to come down and, and humble themselves and kneel at an old-fashioned altar, that seems kind of foolishness to them. But what, what I know and what Elisha knew, Naaman didn't know, is that's where miracles happen. That's where God does the work. But the thing is, you don't have to understand everything about it. You just need to trust God. You don't need to know how it's all going to go. What you just simply need to do is to believe God. You don't need to understand everything. You just need to trust and obey. See, God lets us get in situations that no man can fix so that we have to deal with it on His terms. Because we get saved on God's terms and not our own. See, the miracle that Naaman needed so desperately was not going to happen. See, if, if he just did it his way. He was willing to come to church. He was willing to hear the message. He traveled all the way from, from Syria to talk to Elisha. But he wanted Elisha to say, you know, the Bible literally says, he wanted Elisha to come out there and say some words and boo his hand like this and just say, you know, abracadabra to the great general Naaman. But instead he said, no, you know, you, you remember that dirty river you passed out there, that muddy old river, Jordan? He said, go out there and just uh, go dip in that seven times, see? You don't come to God on your terms. You've got to come to God on his terms. Naaman was willing to come so far, but was he willing to go far enough to get his miracle and to get what he needed and what he could get nowhere else? See, partial obedience is still disobedience. When you study over there about Naaman, you find out a couple things about him. Number one, he did humble himself. He did go to that muddy river. And before he got down in that muddy river, guess what he had to do? He had to take that armor off. All his soldiers that respected him and thought he was great, here comes the armor off. Here comes that exterior cover that he's been hiding underneath off. And he finally gets down there, and there's his leprosy, and maybe they begin to see it on his body. Man, this is kind of embarrassing. See, we want so badly sometimes to try to maintain our dignity. Well, I don't want to admit that I'm a sinner. I don't want to go get saved. I'm pretty sure people think I'm already saved. But you know what Naaman did? He was humbled. He got over it. His armor came off. Listen, if you're going to get that miracle, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to disarm. You're going to have to let your defenses down. You're going to have to let God in. You're going to have to set aside your anger and your sarcasm. And you're going to have to just let God work and believe that He will save you. And again, I've already said it, but there's no more covering or no more excusing your sin. We just need to simply say, Lord, here am I. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. It's not, I'm a sinner, but God, you know I'm a pretty good guy. No, it's like, no, Lord, here I am, just a sinner in need of salvation. And I love what the Bible says. He had to get out in that Jordan River, and he had to dip seven times. And, you know, we, some of you know the story. Just seven times he had to dip in that muddy river. Getting down there was hard, but seven times he had to dip, dip, dip. But the Bible says on that last time he came up and his skin was cleansed. His, clean, his, his skin was smooth, but it don't even just say that. I love this. 
It says that his skin was like a newborn baby's. His skin was like a newborn baby. See, God not only can make right the wrong that's in your life, God can fix things to where they were like before it ever got wrong through the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. Amen? And if you'll just simply trust Him this morning, humble yourself, quit holding on, quit covering up, quit making excuses, come to God on His terms, and you will never regret that you did that. Amen? Let's all stand, please, Sonia. If you'd come play.